Success is elusive, but it doesn't have to be. This is Limitless Belief, a weekly podcast where we discover the principles of success by those who use them well. Be encouraged, be inspired, be limitless. All right. So welcome everyone to the Limitless Belief Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Tobert, and I'm very excited uh, to be with you all. Um, whether you're at home, in your car, or taking public transportation, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, this is episode number two, and that's really big. That's a really big thing for me personally, just like number one was, because what it represents is the, out- the outcomes that I would love to see more of in the world, which is people just getting started on their dreams, uh, in spite of what they may feel like they're in lack of, you know, just getting started, which is half the battle. Uh, We want to create a community where people can come share, learn, and grow from the examples and stories of individuals like the one I have on the on the on the call today, uh, who have overcome limiting beliefs. And our guest today, Shannon Jones, is the owner and operator of Time Out of Shannon's, the premier barbering experience for professional men and women in the city of Chicago and abroad. He's managed to build a profitable business and a long-lasting business over 30 years, right, Shannon? Yeah, man, right. over 30 years. Shaping lives one haircut at a time. <laughs> so Shannon, <laughs> Shannon Jones, well, <laughs> welcome to the Limitless Belief Podcast. I'm super happy Thanks. to have you as our guest. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs> cool. So I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah, very excited, man. I'm, you know, when you said yes, I was like, you know, that's such a treat because, you know, I've been I've been going to you for probably 20 of those 30 years. And yep. uh, I know how impactful just, you know, being someone that, uh, was just in your shop as a young man, you know, meeting some of the people that was coming through the shop, listening to you and your wisdom and just soaking up everything that the shop is all about has really helped me as a, as a person to grow. So, you know, just so more people can get access to you and, you know, some of the things you're going to be speaking about today is just, just really amazing. So, um, you know, if you don't mind, just kind of, you know, tell our audience about, about yourself, you know, who is Shannon Jones? Where did you, you know, where did you come from? Where did you, how did you start? And uh, we can just start getting into it. Okay, well, I was born and raised on the uh, west side of Chicago. Uh, they call it K-Town because, you know, all the streets in the area for a couple of miles start with K. But I started <laughs> cutting cutting hair in the basement, um, like most barbers. Um, I have one brother, one sister. Uh, my mother raised me. I never met my dad. My grandfather raised me, him and my grandmother. Um, I never really had, you know, I, 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 I never thought about, where I came from until you asked me the question. We talked about it briefly yesterday. Everything that I've been through up to this point really has just been kind of like a movie in a sense where I just, things just happen. Yeah, They just happen. I'm gonna go into that a little bit further when it comes to my belief and my faith. So okay. sometimes it just, things just flow the way they flow. Um, but that's pretty much it. Wes, I've been cutting hair for over 20, well, been on my own as time out of Shannon's for 21 years, but I was spending, I spent another maybe 10 years with a fellow hairdresser by the name of Arthur Johnson. So I was with him. Okay. So I've kind of went between barbering and dealing with uh, in the hairstyle industry as a hairdresser, I should say. Okay. And how, how did you get started on your, on your, uh, on your barbering journey? You know, could you take me through just like, what was that process for you to get to the point where you decided that was, that was the way you wanted to go? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I had a friend named Delario and then I had a friend named Luke okay. and I, who, whoever house I was at, may have had a pair of clippers. And at that time I would just get it buzzed off, you know, even. I grew up going to the barbershop with my grandfather. And when I get older, maybe around 13, 14, a couple of my guys were doing it. You know, we're sitting in the house and I'm just talking to them. 
and um, they would pull out a pair of clippers and then we would just get to the, uh, we would just get to the point where they would say, hey man, let me cut your hair. So when I saw how easy it was and I also looked at the camaraderie we had, I just said, well, this looked like something I can do. Cause one of my guys, Delario, he took ill, so he could no longer cut my hair. And so Luke was cutting my hair, but then Luke moved and it became an issue because he started, he lit, he lived on Laramie and I was living on West End close to the Cicero and that okay. walk was crazy. So I told my grandfather that I just wanted to cut. So he went and bought a pair of clippers. I think a, 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 a real unknown name from Sears one day. And I just started whacking it all down, not even really lining, but just cutting my hair. Mm -hmm. And so some guys, some of my friends in the neighborhood would say, well, hey, Shannon, can I get a haircut? And I was like, sure. And I would buzz them and then I would turn around. I would never charge them, but I would notice that every now and then they would throw five and six dollars here and there. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, at 15, 16, I got 35, 40 bucks in my pocket. Right. That's where it came from, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I heard you on an interview one time talk about um, talk about dreams. And um, what what was your dream, you know, as you were coming up? Was it was it barbering or what did what did a young Shannon want to do? Or what did you see yourself doing when you were younger? You know, um, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Okay. I wanted to draw comic books. And of course, like everybody else, I wanted to play in the NBA. Okay. <laughs> and um, barbering just came easy, I guess, because of being a people person, the freedom it represented. Like when I would go to the barbershop with my grandfather, mm -hmm. you know, my grandfather, he, he, it was, I saw the, I saw my grand, my grandfather had a split personality and I saw the other personality when I would go to the barbershop. Cause you know, he's a devout Christian. He worked in his garden every day, but he was always quiet. So, but I noticed that every time we walked around the corner about a block and a half from the house, when he got to Sam's barbershop, that was on Lake and Keela, like a block and a half from the house. Yeah. That's when I saw my grandfather laugh, joke, just be one of the guys. And I never saw that because he was just this rock at home. But right. when he got to the barbershop, he, it was a free, it was a side of him I never knew existed. And I knew at that point, I wanted to be a part of that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, and I mean, that's that, yeah, that barbershop experience, especially for, you know, for our community is like, is I think you, I think I heard you say the last stronghold of it's manhood. Our <laughs> it's our country club, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so when we talk, when you talk about, you know, uh, we're not taught to dream um, and how important our dream is to our surroundings. I've heard you say that before. Um, what do you, what did you mean by that? You know, when you, when you said that statement and, and how does that, how does that play out in your life and, you know, the dream that you're living in right now with Time Out of Shannon's? You know, me, you and Cam and a couple of guys on Saturdays, we would always in the shop yeah. talk about dreams. I think we spend too much time responding that we don't create anymore. And I think it stagnates our ability to dream. Uh, my grandfather taught me that whatever I do, whether it's cutting a janitor or whatever, to give it my all. Yeah. And I can only go as far as I can see. Right. So for me, in our house, it was always a thing where whatever you believe you could achieve, like my uncle, he was in the basement before I started cutting in the basement. He was a tailor. And so I think that's where I got the bug from. But I used to look, go in the basement and see all these women and these different guys getting suits and dresses made. And um, he just started his own business. And I'm like, well, man, you're doing this in the house and you're my uncle. And I'm probably at that time, maybe 16 or mm -hmm. maybe 13, 14 at the time. And I think that that was just my first uh, shot at like, man, I could do whatever because my uncle's doing this, you know, because right. I never had a nine to five. Right, right. What, what were some of the what were some of the, the early hurdles that you that you personally faced on your journey? And uh, what, what were some of the ways you were able to overcome some of those hurdles? 
Well, one cutting hair in the basement, one of the problems I had was I had a lot of uh, professional clients mm -hmm. and it was cool for me to cut their hair in the basement. But when I was trying to uh, uh, pick up new clients right. and to referrals, one or two of my clients, which both were attorneys, were saying, well, man, you know, you cutting hair in the basement. I don't feel comfortable asking any of my guys or sending some of my guys here in the basement. I said, well, you in my basement getting a cut. <laughs> you know what I'm right. So what they so what that did for me was it lit a fire because mm. it told me that I was, oh, it's, it's okay for me to cut you in my basement, but it almost made me feel like that's, I mean, it, it almost not, not that it belittled me, but it just lit a fire. Like, okay, it's placism. So I'm going to go into placism later, but it, that's when I got my first taste of placism and placism to me is that when someone that does not look like me or look like you or look like Bryce, if they don't yeah. like us, the first word we say is that's racist, that's racist. But what do you call that person when they look like you? Mm -hmm. I call it placism because they don't want you to forget your place in their life. Mm -hmm. So at that time when he said that, my place in his, in his life was that of his barber and nothing else. Okay. His job was not to solicit me more clients or to refer me, it was just to be ready to cut his hair when he called me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that fire yeah. kind of went under me like, oh, I'm in the basement. So that told me, Shannon, you got to get out this basement. Mm -hmm. And what, I what, didn't was, know, what were some of the things time, that you but I did to overcome that, that placism? It was it something that you experienced like a lot or was it just kind of like sparingly? But what, what were some of the ways that you were able to overcome that placism in a way that you still yeah. kind of like show love and respect and, you know, didn't? It was, it was, it was like a fire for me, man. It was kind of like okay. the way you talked about. Like when me and you talked about the last dance with Michael Jordan, or we talk about Kobe, and we talk about it doesn't take that much to get you going. Yeah. That right, and, and I still deal with it today. I, I mean, it was just the first taste because this came from somebody who I really admire, someone I've known for like maybe oh. time, six, seven years. And gotcha. so as I was as I was trying to grow, I thought that he would have been happy for me. But again, that's when I found out my my role in his life was just to cut his hair. Mm -hmm. You know, not to move, not to be, not to be in Jamaica one day when he needed a haircut, but be sitting in my basement waiting, okay. waiting for him to tell me about how his trip was to Jamaica. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Right, right. But what was one of the most important things you learned uh, in your life during during that during that process? And you know, what was life like before learning it, and what was life like after learning it? You know, because it seems like there was a shift, a mindset was, shift. So what was you know what was that what was that mindset shift? What kind of caused it? I, I think we kind of already touched on it, yeah. uh, but if you can expand on it just a little bit more, and then you know what was life like before and what was life like after it? You know, after when it started to actually apply it. Life before, when I was in the basement doing uh, cutting and, and learning the business, it was yeah. easy, but it was hard. And when I say hard, I was doing a lot of things without faith. Okay. A lot of things, a lot of things I was doing just naturally. Um, but the difficult, the most difficult thing for me in that process between learning how to not only cut but run a business from the basement, as well as go working downtown with AJ. Cause when I met AJ, I was still working in my shop. I would go work with AJ from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. and then get home and cut in my own basement from 9 p.m. to midnight. And that was because mm -hmm. when I got with AJ, everything was commissioned, it was 50%. And at that time by me starting, I didn't have a problem giving him 50% in the shop as I was trying to build a clientele, but I thought that everything at home that would have been mine would made everything safer for me. But mm -hmm. when I was at home and I was functioning day to day, 
it was easy, but it was difficult. And I say difficult from the standpoint of little things would irritate me and I didn't mm -hmm. know why. Well, okay. the building clientele, uh, trying to help my grandfather, because my grandfather would say, okay, you know what? Since you're trying, uh, all I want you to do is give me a hundred bucks towards the electric bill. He wouldn't charge me rent at the time. Right. So, but as I'm learning, a lot of things were difficult from a standpoint of I wasn't patient. I wasn't truly hearing what God was trying to say to me via other vehicles when he would send a client to my house or a family member. And when I got older and more into my word and then when I got on my own, see, when I got on my own, when I left AJ, that's when I really, my faith really kicked in. Okay. It, it really kicked in because at that point, and we can go back to it, it just really made me, I was put in situations where I had to truly learn how to learn to lean on God for everything. Okay. Which what, is that, what is, what does it look like for you, for someone to, to lean on God for everything? What do you, what do you mean by that? You know, how does, how does that, how does that look? What does that look like in like a day to day type okay. scenario for Shannon Jones? Let's say, let's say, okay, Fred, let's say you have a, uh, let's say you, you've opened up a store. Mm -hmm. Okay. First two or three years, you're doing good. You're consistent. But let's say you get to a point where business is going slow, slow down, right. but you still have to meet your needs. Let's say right. you have an uncle, you say, Unc, can you give me, can you give me 1500 towards the rent? He go, right. here you go, Fred. Then the next month you okay, but two more months down the line, you find yourself in that situation again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Of having to borrow. Yeah. Um, right. What I started learning when I was in business was that it wasn't meant for us to toil. You know, when I say toil, if I go to God, what I had to learn was the more that I went to lean on God in my prayer, in my prayer time, in reading the word, I noticed that he was speaking to me. Like every mm -hmm. time I, like, let's say case in point, you're going through something with your girl or your mom, and then tomorrow you open up the Bible. And when you right. open up the Bible, whether it's Proverbs, Psalms, whatever, what you read and sound like it's just for free. Like, oh my God, look at this. Right. I had, <laughs> I, I had a lot of those moments that were reoccurring back to back to back. And when I found myself doing stuff that was displeasing, I noticed that I was in certain situations longer. When I found okay. myself listening and retaining the information, whether it was a prayer or just a message, everything started turning around. And uh, yeah. it, it just it just became a it became a routine because we could tell our people, like I come from a very um, spiritual household. I mean, from okay. Bible class in our house, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, to church on Sundays, to everybody after yeah. for dinner, which transformed into, as you know, dinners at my family house still today on Sundays. Right. <laughs> so, we would, we would browbeat with the word so much that when I got older and I didn't have to go to church, I kind of got away from it. Mm -hmm. But it was still in me. It mm -hmm. was still in me. It was just that when I started doing business, I wasn't thinking word. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know, you, all of us have been to that place like when mom or dad gets sick, we want to pray. Mm -hmm. When it comes to business, we don't really want to pray. We just want to go to God and say, like, go, like, God, I need money. You get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Not truly yeah. understanding the process of it. For me, I think my belief system got to the unlimited portion when I opened up my shop. When I, when I was with AJ and I said, you know what, AJ, at this time I was with him maybe eight years. So I said, AJ, at what point did you know you were ready to open your own salon? He said, right. well, if you can make $1,000 a week, you could do a shop. I said, oh, okay, cool. Now, then you fast forward, I opened my shop. He left off insurance. He left off, <laughs> he left off, left off a lot of things. And that was part of my learning curve. But... Um, I just had one of those situations when I, had, I prayed. I said, Lord, you know what? I need this negative spirit to leave my shop. 
-hmm. And the person that I was praying for was not the spirit that the Lord removed from my shop. And so when things started coming in from the bills to taxes, I knew that God was talking to me because I had to step back and check my inventory and reevaluate what was it that I stopped doing and why was I in this position I'm in right now. Right. And and the more I started reading my word, it wasn't that I was doing anything. It was just that when I come to find out, God was preparing me for greatness because he can't give Fred 10 million if Fred can't take care of a thousand. Right. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I started looking back, looking and going to church uh, prior to meeting my wife. I was just looking at the women that I was dating, the conversation, mm -hmm. the energy, the spirit, um, who was happy for me, who wasn't. And yeah. a lot of that, Fred, like you just said about family, you have to be mindful of because we're taught all of these things at home to believe, mm -hmm. to trust, to love. So mm -hmm. what do you do when you're around people who don't know how to do that? Like, let's mm -hmm. say your father didn't have his grand, your grandfather and he didn't have his. How's your father to teach you how to be a man when your dad didn't have a blueprint for himself? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, you know. that's a great question. Yes, that's a great question. And it sounds to me like for you, uh, spirit, your spirituality, your faith played a, a major part in developing your your limitlessness and in your belief system uh but it seems like when you transition into business in the beginning that uh there was kind of like a disconnect between yeah. you know the, the faith and the business and like i think that probably happens for a lot of us right we don't put god first in, in our in our in our in our business endeavors in our in our enterprise uh we're not that, we, that we're taking that. on Right. We're not, right. We're, not, we're not taught to equate God and business at the same time. And it's not mm -hmm. that you're putting God per se in business. It's just the biblical principles. Right. Because yeah. the same that I had back then, I still have today. But with me being in my word and me following, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. he makes I've been able to maneuver around, so to speak, the landmines a lot smoother and blessings upon blessings have been coming since that. And that's mm -hmm. when I had to learn how to be still and listen. That's the that if, if if anything for your listeners, the one thing we all have to take away from this podcast is we have to learn to listen and know that little small voice that God is using to speak to us. Right. For sure. We yeah. looking for some smoke and thunder to come down and an armored truck to drive down the street and a bag of money fall out. And he's not gonna bless you with money. He's gonna bless you with a vision, with his with a seed, with an idea. Right. It right. puts you around right people like Bryce and people like that to pull things out and vice versa. Yeah. And that's and that's so big, you know. And one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you specifically because it seems like uh, you know, the vision that God gave you, albeit you in spite of some of the things you might you might have been lacking at the time, you still got started. And you know, that's something that I'm that I'm just really interested in, just with people like that who who, who say yes and then figure it out later where a lot of us, we want to wait until things are kind of like perfect almost exactly until uh, we get started. So what, what is that inside of you that, that allows you to just say yes and figure it out later? Like what, it, how, how would you define that? Or what is that process for you to kind of be able to take that step forward in spite of what you may not have in place uh, well, to get started? For me, it was a situation like when I was in the basement cutting hair, you know, yeah. the last thing that was on my mind was going downtown, opening the shop. Mm -hmm. um, what happened was when I left AJ, well, what, actually, when I got to AJ's, what happened was I said, you know what? Because when I met AJ in eight, I want to say 1986, 87, 
I went with just the intention on learning how to run a salon. My intention was never to stay with AJ no more than three years. It was to be, it was to be like my grandfather said, if you want to learn how to do something right, find someone doing it better than you and learn from them. So right. when I met AJ, you know, AJ doing these models, he doing this, he seemed to be doing extremely well from the outside. So mm -hmm. my purpose was going to learn how to run the business. So when I went there, I was learning, I had a, a notebook, a journal with me, because I would take the train back and forth. And I just had pros and cons on the, um, in the journal. And what mm -hmm. I did was I was just really watching AJ saying, oh, wow, wow. Okay, no, I don't see anybody doing this, doing that. But one day, Something just told me to ask for a raise. Now, at this point, Fred, I've worked with AJ at this point. I was looking to leave in year three, but I think this may be year six because I okay. spent a total of years with him. I said, you know what? I've been working here. I'm your assistant and I'm the barber of the shop. Can I get a raise? Can mm -hmm. I get a decrease? Because at that time, my commission rate with him was 50-50. So okay. my thing was, could I get to 60-40 me or 55-45? You know, I'm just still learning. Yeah. And he told me no. Okay. And, and, at, and at that very point, I said, okay, cool. Right when he said no, um, it was maybe around 5.30. He had two more clients. Now, by me being AJ's assistant, I would shampoo the client, put her under the dry wood conditioner, and then go to the next person, maybe prep her for color or any some form of chemical service. Mm -hmm. When I got done with them, I grabbed my belongings. And as I was walking to the L because we were located, uh, I think at 1100 West Lake Street in Oak Park. As I got on the L on Harlem and Lake and I was riding home, something inside of me just said, Shannon, it's time for you to leave. Okay, wow. It was, it was just, because at that point, that was the first time I just left my house. I, like I said, I was going back and forth. I'll, I'll leave AJ's, get home. So then at that point, the next day, when I was riding on the train, I was looking out the window and Something just said, it's time for you to go on your own. I don't know if it was just my pride hurt or if it mm. was a low. It was just something that said, it's time to uh, go on your own. So when I got home, my grandfather was in the kitchen. Uh, he said, what's going on? What's wrong? I said, you know, I asked for uh, a raise or a decrease in my commission, a raise in my commission. And he told me, no, then my grandfather said that, um, how long have you been there now? And I said, about seven, eight years. He said, well, let me ask you this question. Can you do what you're doing right now on your own? And mm -hmm. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, do it. And I said, okay. He said, now what I want you to do is because I want you to do everything right in order. Go give him your two-week notice. So the next day when I got to the shop, I said, you know what, AJ, I appreciate the opportunity you've given me, but uh, this, uh, this, I'm, I'm going to leave, and here's my two-week notice. So he just went about it. like He shrugged it off like, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever, because he's thinking that by me being young, and I'm learning some things from him that, yeah, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to change my mind. So, okay. So mm -hmm. in two weeks, the very last Saturday that I was there, um, the, some of the girls in the shop were like, well, we're going to miss you, Shannon. I think he kind of whispered in the ear, say, y'all tell Shannon goodbye, you know, and see what he do. So, you know, I said, okay. So then I went home and set up shop and I called all of my guys and let them know that I'm home cutting hair full time. Right. So after three months, a couple of the girls from the shop said, man, Shannon, we miss you. Won't you come back? I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay because... <laughs> I'm insulted. They go, why you say that? I said, because you guys are asking me to come back and you say you miss me, but I didn't hear any of you speak on my behalf to AJ when I asked for a raise. And I've been with mm -hmm. you guys for seven years. Mm -hmm. Everybody got quiet. So when they got quiet, that switch hit. I, I hit a nerve. I knew that I hit a nerve. And for me, when I smell weakness or if I smell a threat or anything, I jump on it. Mm -hmm. 
I jump on it. So he sent them to bring me back. And that, at that point, I knew my value. I knew my worth then. And mm-hmm. I didn't know my worth up to that point. Mm-hmm. So for, you, for you to think enough of me when I'm little, but then send these girls and say, man, we miss you. That means you haven't found someone to replace me. Okay. That's when I, I knew my you. worth. I've, I've heard you say uh, that if you don't know who you are by 9 a.m., by 6 p.m., someone will... <laughs> Unless you know who you are, so like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> because when you when you wake up, when you wake up every day, you have to know who Fred is. What's Fred's purpose? Mm-hmm. What is Fred thankful for? Um, you have to, and if you don't, you fall in that place where you're logging into social media for somebody to tell you they like you, or right. you be my friend, or oh, I'm gonna unfollow you. You know, that's nothing. The mm-hmm. people that's doing it, they, they, the people I realize that give you the most advice, they don't have anything or they're the most insecure. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Fred. <laughs> Come on, Fred. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Cause, cause, and, 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 and what happened, I saw that when 2002, I was the first barber on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. I was going to definitely ask you about that. Go ahead. Yes, I sir. Please. So, so many people <laughs> that love me, that grew up with me, the second article came out, it was like, he think he better than everybody. I said, I don't think I'm better. You think I think I'm better. But it was it was amazing. It goes back to that placism because how dare Shannon get on the cover of the Wall Street Journal? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So those mm-hmm. little tidbits were my fuel letting me know, one, that I'm in the right place and to keep going. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I was going to, I definitely, you know, because we've been talking about the shop a lot. And uh, I don't know if our listeners would, can get it, can really truly grasp, you know, what time out of Shannon's is, um, just from a cultural perspective, just from a perspective of, you know, how people, um, from a generational perspective, how, you know, you know, now people who have kids are bringing their kids to your shop, yeah. you know, you know, time out of Shannon is definitely uh, a place where people can come and grow and learn and, and get love, you know, and get something that they probably don't get in there in their regular uh, circles and influences. So, you know, if you could just kind of explain what, to people what Time Out of Shannon's is all about. What was your vision for Time Out of Shannon's and ultimately what did Time Out of Shannon's become for, to you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting you asked that question this time. I'm going to read you the mission statement and this is kind of what my creed is moving forward right now. Okay. Okay. The, the mission statement for what Time Out of You can hear me, right, Fred? Yes, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Time Out is a lifestyle that encourages you to stop the game of living, the game of life long enough to elevate the art of living. A timeout man or woman exceeds the boundaries that surrounds them and dare them to walk their own path. They take on responsibility of leadership, they uplift others, and they own the level of style that reflects their attitude. Created to groom bodies and minds, timeout is a break from the norm and a launch pad for the extraordinary. That's, that's amazing. and that's. That's my experience. <laughs> and so yeah. with, with, with that being said, that moving forward, I want that to be seen across everything from the receipts to the walls. Because again, when me and you and Bryce got on the call earlier, it's, it's no one teaches you to dream. It's kind of like mm. they teach us to respond. Like I always say in the shop, we spend so much time responding to emails and texts. We don't create anymore. When was the last time you wrote somebody a letter, Fred, to just say thinking about you? It's been a while. I sent the text though. See, <laughs> but, 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 but when we have to, when you take time to write, yeah, that says something. If I got a letter from someone who just took the time and I just see them writing, that told me they took some time to think about me, right? 
And when we don't do that, we stifle being creative, dreaming. Um, everybody right now is looking for something instant, like add water, stir relationships from Tinder to whatever. People are just like, like me. I'm right here. P Ooh, please look at me. Be with me. They don't dream. They're afraid to dream. And the reason why most people are afraid to dream, Fred, is because someone in their family may have tried something and it didn't work and they discouraged them, or they may have tried it and said, you know what, I don't wish this on anyone. Or you have people that say, man, Fred, you should go do this and do that. No one they've never tried anything so they can see you fail. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? It's all based on yeah. perspective, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and I, you know, you know, having goals and, you know, all these things are important, but if you don't believe you can be successful, if you don't believe you're the type of person that's worthy of success, like it's just whatever you believe is, you know, I know it's kind of cliche, but what you believe is what you can achieve. Hey, hey, and, and, and it's a foundation that, you know, I think is, is something that is foundational in you and other people like yourself who are, who are high achievers that I truly believe that the belief is the, is the beginning of, of all these things, right? From the faith, to the things that you think about yourself, to the to how you think about the opportunities um, that God is presenting you with, you know, what do you what do you believe about those opportunities? You know, belief is kind of like that end all be all, so to speak. Um, you know, before you know that's going to help you get you know actually get started and you know get on that get on your journey. So yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, I'm gonna tell you something, and this happened the first time I met Bryce when when you brought Bryce to the sanctuary yeah. a while ago. The reason why most people don't know how to dream or believe, and we, and we kind of, we're going to go there now, is that people don't understand how powerful words are. Mm -hmm. We do not understand how powerful words are. We do not understand that if Fred say, you know what, I'm going to be a millionaire by the age of 35, Fred can be, become a millionaire by 35, because we don't understand, we have not been taught that when we speak, we give life to our words. Right. Now, Bryce is married. You've been in a relationship. Watch this. Imagine Bryce comes home, his wife cooks dinner, and Bryce go, man, what the hell is this? <laughs> what reaction do you think is going to happen in that house? It's not going to be positive. Right. But if Bryce come home and say, oh, my God, this is delicious, what's going to happen? It's going to be a positive See, response. <laughs> we don't, people, right. People don't understand that words, words are like our, are like our breath, man. It's like mm. when you tell somebody I love you or... That's me. I know that what me and my wife have this thing that we always watch what we say and we hold each other accountable for it. If I, if, even if I'm joking, if I say something that's totally out of line, my wife may say, Shannon, we, I rebuke that because we understand the importance of words. So when my grandfather told me, Shannon, could you do this on your own? All mm -hmm. he did was ask me a question, Fred. But right. when I said yes, I gave life to my dream. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, 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 if you don't believe in yourself, like my, I tell you, my grandfather, I miss him every day because what he put in me, he said, you could be whatever you want to be. I mean, just get up, make your bed, <laughs> do what you got to do and go out there and get, put, give a hundred percent of who Shannon is every day. So for me, you can't tell me what I can't do. Right. That's always kind of been in me. My mother said, she said, I was always a rebel without a cause, but I've just always found my calling to be, even with you, inspire people, let people know what they can be. You could be anything you want to be, Fred, Bryce. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why mm -hmm. I feel comfortable there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say for our listeners that Bryce Conlon is um, is a really good friend of mine. He's been someone that's helped me, that's helped me to develop this podcast. He's the 
He's a, a, a small business owner for a company called Upper Creative which is a, a content creation company. They do amazing work. They help people to discover their stories and yep, yep, the power within them stories. So I just want to let everybody know that uh, the person that Shannon is referencing is Bryce Conlon, uh, Upper Creative, uh, an amazing guy. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page with us as well. So uh, yeah, thank you, I'm Shannon. Thank you, you thank, for, thank you for bringing it up. Yep. I'm glad you did that because even when I met Bryce, and you just mm -hmm. said it, Bryce is a wordsmith. When we mm -hmm. sat down with the foundation, Bryce asked everybody for a word. Remember yeah, that? He did, yep. Because what Bryce does, Bryce takes words and he gives life to it. Mm -hmm. It's all full circle. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That is very true. And I, I remember one, one, uh, you, I heard you say, uh, one of the other jewels I've taken from you is that, um, that you got to let God direct your movie. And you just gotta, you just gotta follow the director. So, like, where did that come from? Like, where did that <laughs> particular, where, where did you get that from? And you know, how, what has that play out in, in Shannon's life? One of my favorite, uh, this one of my favorite authors. His name is Devon Franklin. Actually, he's married to Megan, Megan Good. That's her okay. husband. Yeah. And he did his first book. He did was called Produced by Faith. Mm -hmm. And um, he talks about how when he was in Hollywood, how he acknowledges uh, the Sabbath. Right. But he was saying how it's hard to be a Christian in California because with him acknowledging the Sabbath on sunrise, on sundown Fridays, he doesn't on after at sundown Friday at five o'clock, he doesn't come back to work till Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So when you're on a movie set, like when he did the Karate Kid 2 with uh, Jada and Will, he found himself, found it kind of difficult to kind of maneuver because he couldn't work on the weekends. He couldn't read emails, text, no screen. He couldn't do anything. So his book was talking about uh, all the, the challenges he went through. But he said, when you learn to look at your life like that of a movie, right? God is your executive producer. All you have to do is follow the scenes he write for you every day. Wow. And the reason why most people stay in development is because they're not following the screen, the scene that he wrote for them. And the difference between being in development and being in production is if, if Fred's life is in production, meaning that you're doing well and everything seems to be working well, that's because Fred is walking in the scene that God wrote for him that day. But if Fred right. is struggling, like some people may, that may listen to this podcast, they may be struggling with something because they're not following the scene that God wrote for them. Right. You know, like in certain cases, mm -hmm. he was saying that, like my wife, my wife is my co-star. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> you're a co-star. Um, what, what we tend to do is that, an analogy he uses that, let's say you have Halle Berry and Denzel Washington, you're making a love story, and then you get the greatest uh, love story writer, the guy that wrote uh, Theodore who wrote Love Jones. Okay, so now you got the best writer and two of the greatest actors. Mm -hmm. And then they say action. What you know, Ray Raynham ain't got no business in that scene. Right. <laughs> but what we tend to do is we bring Ray Raynham in scenes they shouldn't be in. You know what I'm saying? Right. Putin. For sure. For sure. And so what we should spend the rest of our life doing is looking for <laughs> co-stars. And it's okay to have extras and fill-ins, you know, but they have to know their role. Mm-hmm. You know, like like if I'm if I'm going to dinner with you and Bryce, mm -hmm. I'm not going to bring someone the opposite of you and Bryce. I want to bring somebody that's going to add to you and Bryce's life and your your product or whatever your, your production, whatever you do. I'm going to bring someone that's going to add, not take away, right? Because that becomes a reflection of me now. For sure. So Devon yeah. was saying that when you learn to look at your life like that of a movie, like most movies, ups downs, guy lose girl. God gets girl back at the end. That's our life. So we have to learn to mm. look at that in, in regards to God. Right. I got you. Okay. And it's, it's just a story. I, it's, it's so funny that over the last month or two, um, 
this reoccurring theme for me has been storytelling, learning to develop a story, learning to tell your story, and how how impactful and powerful someone's story is, and how we can change lives just by telling our story. And um, you know, just imagine how better that story could be if we are letting letting God direct the story, and uh, just follow His direction. So yeah, that's that's a uh, that's that's an amazing quote. That's something that I always think about. And I, I remember I remember the first time I heard you say that. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it, just, it, it goes back to it's like we don't I'm, I'm i'm telling you man it's it's a lot of things that i get come from ministers and just positive people just like dr david oyedipo one of my favorite ministers he's has a, a huge church in nigeria that's about a hundred thousand people his saying wow. and i go by this every day me and my wife it said today reflects what you deposited yesterday right so if you're in a situation today that you don't like that means you didn't invest in yourself yesterday Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, that goes up there with that. If you don't know who you are at nine, it's that we, I, we, I embrace, I embrace hard times. But when I say I embrace hard times, I embrace it to the standpoint because I want to see what I'm made of. Mm-hmm. Like with me, you were talking about last time, we were talking about the last dance. Everybody's so infatuated with this story about Michael and the Bulls. Like, oh, man, that's deep. That's right. But some of the people who I know live, who, who love that, they don't live by those words. Right. They know mm-hmm. family members too. They don't live by those where they go, oh, that's deep. That's what, well, I mean, he did that what three or four years ago. How come you can't do that? Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We spend so much, we people today spend so much time figuring out, look at what Jay-Z and Beyonce make and what they driving. Instead of why you don't do yourself like that? Why don't you do Fred like that? Like uplift Fred. Like, man, Fred, you know what? Like when you send me this email, I was so excited get your email last. I'm like, look what my brother doing. Because it came from your heart and it came from a place for trying to encourage and inspire others. Yes, sir. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, seeing that we're talking about inspiration and you, you, you inspire so many people, you know, what, what makes you feel inspired or feel like your best self? What, um, what are those, what are those things for you? Cause you're there for so many people. <laughs> you know what, I'm so shocked about it. Cause I hear that. I think, thank you. I appreciate it. I just, I just try to be the best person I could be every day. Um, okay. One of the things that me and my wife do every morning, we get up, I spend an hour in the word, like reading my devotionals, meditating. Then I get, you know, get to the shop and I'm there. Um, I just thank God for every day he gives me, man. And, and it starts right there because, you know, it's, it's like, how can I be, I don't see how anybody can be happy, not happy when you've been given, like today, case in point, someone didn't wake up today and somebody's not going to make it home. Right. So when you know that, how are you not grateful that you're in the position you're in right now? Right. I get you. You get what I'm saying? So yes, somebody sir. may go, man, I ain't, I mean, I ain't got this. Yeah. Do, are you alive? Do you have food in the house or roof? We take so many little things for granted, man. For me, I thank God. Every, when I find a parking space, Fred, I say, oh, thank God. You know what I'm <laughs> I just, I'm just thankful. And, and I think that I hope our listeners get one thing. The more you, my recipe, I would say, I thank God for everything and I give. Mm-hmm. You know, case in point, you know, I pass out the daily breads. Yep. You know, I went to, you know, I just give, man, because my pastor would always say, um, if you want to get, if you want to get out of a famine, sow your way out of a famine. So, mm-hmm. sow a seed. A seed will meet any need. Right. Sow your way out of a famine. Okay. I love that. That's, uh, that's, that's huge. Yeah, for sure. Because think about it like this, Fred. If me, you, and Bryce, or whoever, if we give somebody $5 or whatever, that's a harvest for somebody. Yeah. 
You get what I'm saying? If someone if someone's outside and hadn't, hadn't eaten anything for a while, if you get them five dollars, that's a harvest. Right. That's so true. Yeah. 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 You know, one of the things I think about, I think I shared this with you, like my, my dad, I didn't grow up with my father, but one of the things that I do remember him telling me at a young, at a very young age that stuck with me for a long time is um, I think I had asked him to buy me something and um, I guess he didn't have it at the time, but um, but he, he reassured me that, you know, um, I'm not just telling you no, just to tell you no. He said that, you know, if I, if I got it, then I got it. If I don't, then I'm gonna tell you that I don't. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's something that stuck with me my whole life, whether it was like my time or if it was money or whatever the case is like, if somebody needed it, then if I had it to give, then I would give it like, you know, without, without there being any expectations in return or anything like that. And that's just a, that's a, that's a seed that he planted in me a long time ago that, Amen. you know, is still, you know, bearing fruit to this day. And um, I think it's, I think that's so true. You know, at that $5 that's, that you give somebody, you know, could be the equivalent of somebody giving you $50,000. And um, it's, yeah, so I, I definitely, I definitely get that. I definitely just get like that. So, just yes, like sir, go. pandemic, this, you know, this thing is nothing to me but a reset. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I hate that so many people's lives have been got lost with this, but it, but at the same time, I hope everybody, like I told you last night, can find several, be- several beautiful things to take away from this experience. Like yeah. at home with your wife, your kids, uh, your friends. And it's actually making a lot of people check your inventory. <laughs> check your inventory. Like, like yeah. what, make, a, make a commitment to not repeat or do this once they lift the van. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a better person, you want to be a better businessman, you want to open up. Because a lot of businesses are going to uh, take off from this. And some people are never going to come back from this. That's very true. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, we just have to be mindful, man. We have to stop yeah. thinking about self, man, and think of others. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, Shannon. Um, you know, I think I think that this has been an amazing conversation. It truly did, like, live up to exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've, we've been having this conversation for 15-plus years, man. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy we were able to get it recorded. But before we, before we wrap it up, I want to just ask you one more question. Go ahead. You know, tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, Freddie, what's, it's ironic. And, and at first, I was going to go deal with a basketball player, something like that. But in terms of my life and my growth and where I'm at right now, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, it's my faith. Okay. Some people, some people don't understand how can you, like one of my guys, he's truly blessed. Yeah. And I'm talking about millions. And one day he told somebody, how can Shannon be so happy when I have more than him? That blew me, completely mm. blew me. I was flattered by it. First, it, it just threw me off because um, his, he told his wife, we, me and my wife got married on a cruise. And so they were on a cruise ship with us. And I think he was getting a massage or something. So his wife said, you know what, Shannon? I love you so much. I have to tell you this. I said, well, she said, my husband said that he loves you so much he can't stand you. And I didn't know how to take that until she explained that because okay. you know sometimes Fred somebody will look at you and Bryce and they're envious and they and, and it's nothing that you and Bryce did it's just the fact that um like case in point okay this is what I'm gonna do once I I had to let go a couple of barbers okay and six months six months went by and a friend of mine who knew both barbers bumped into them at a club so he said yeah man I bumped into so-and-so on them and they said they really miss you I say, well, it's funny they miss me now, but they didn't miss me when they were with me. 
-hmm. said, no, nah, you have to understand something. And then when he told me this, it stuck to me, it stuck with me. And you've heard me say this several times, but he said, the problem that they have with you, Shannon, is that you remind them of what they're not. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, he said, you're on time, you focus, you're driven, uh, you have a nice family, whatever. He said, and when they look at you subconsciously, you remind them of what they're not. It's not that I'm saying anything. It's just that when they look at you, like you and Bryce, somebody can look at you and say, man, wow. You, they don't even say a word to you. You, you. you could just walk in the same Starbucks for three years, getting your coffee at the same time in the morning, and somebody can sit there, one or two things. Somebody says, oh, look at this young man. Every time he comes here, I just feel his, I feel his energy. Or somebody can go, he ain't nothing. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I get that's you. Because, yep. That's because you're reminding them of what they're not. Gotcha. Yeah. So my thing, I would just say, man, and that's what I would always people would always disagree with me. They, they would always tell me, like I told you last night, they waiting for me to slip up one day. So say, you supposed to be a God fearing man or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just my belief, man. I just believe my belief system is that I could, I could be anything. I, I can become anything. And some people don't feel that way, especially in where we're at right now. Yeah. Somebody will go, Shannon, why God letting this happen? Who say this is a God? Mm -hmm. Who says God did this? <laughs> Right. You get what I'm saying? Because every yep. time something negative happened is when we're supposed to lean on God right. for, for wisdom. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know somebody yeah. that why God do this? Fred get hit by a cop. Why God why God get the bad stuff? You know right. Saying? Yeah, I hate it for sure. Yeah. No, I think I think that's 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 very key. And um, you know, we 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 definitely gotta find a way to be more positive. <laughs> about about certain circumstances and situations that we that we may encounter and just learn to be more limitless and um you know shannon i truly believe man that you know you are one of the most limitless people i know and uh i'm just i'm just i'm just so happy man that you you agreed to do this podcast with me and um you know that's not to say that it won't it couldn't be a part two because i'm pretty sure there's way a lot more that we could talk about so whenever you uh, want me to talk just just let me know yes sir well shannon man thank you so much for being on the uh, limitless belief podcast and uh, until we meet again stay limitless brother yeah you and bryce man be safe man peace thank you thank you I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more episodes just like this one, be sure to subscribe to Limitless Belief wherever you get your podcast. And remember, knowing means nothing until you apply it. So get going, get growing, and I'll see you on the other side of Limitless.